Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Eric Rivera got heavily involved in comedy in the wake of 9-11 while studying at Pace University just blocks away from the World Trade Center. Rivera's TV credits include performing on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, Last Comic Standing, his own hour special, I'm No Expert, as well as a season of reality TV with his wife on Oxygen called Living With Funny. In November 2019, Rivera stars in his own HBO half-hour special, Super White. He worked with Eva Longoria years ago trying to develop his life into a half-hour sitcom, and he still has Longoria in his corner for another development deal in the making. Rivera sat down with me in his home in Burbank to talk about where his life and career have taken him, and might take him still. So let's get to it! Yeah, we're starting, Eric Rivera. Right, let's do it. Let's jump in. Yeah. So I love when uh, comedians. Congratulations on your HBO uh, half hour with HBO Latino. Thank you, man. Um, I I love when a title can be taken so many different ways. Right. <laughs> People just see your picture on the on the screen and it says Eric Rivera, super white, and then they look at the picture and they go, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> That's what that that was part of the reasoning. Is like you know you're hoping that late night someone's scrolling they see that and then they go, "Wait a second, that face." You know what? We're going to have to watch and see that what it is. That looks super tan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is happening here? Uh, the other reason was just, uh, like, just, uh, it's so funny. Like, I, I, I'm i not one of those comments that, like, I'm not trying to be deep and, like, oh, this is what I'm trying to do. But it's sort of speaking to the duality of being a Latino in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, part of me is trying to assimilate, and then part of me is trying to not forget the culture. And, like, I, you know, in jokes, I try to talk about that and just, you know... Like, you know, I live in Burbank. You're here. You see right. the house. And you recorded it in Glendale? Is that that one we recorded in San Antonio. Oh, San Antonio. Yeah. Okay. So just being here, so funny. Like, I have family. They come visit. And as soon as they see me, like, here in Burbank, like, oh, you sold out. I was like, what? <laughs> just because I live in Burbank with my kids? <laughs> just, it's good public schools, guys. <laughs> now, see, it feels to me like <laughs> that's more assimilation as a Hispanic in yeah. America. To be in Southern California, right? That New York is more of a melting pot of everything, right? And that's where we met was New York. Yeah, it feels like it's. Do you feel? Do you feel assimilated in Cal? More assimilated in California? I do. I you know I'm I'm I I, I you know I've, I've got my kids, I've got my wife, I'm away from my family, so I feel like I've assimilated more just in the sense of I don't have them around to sort of keep the culture like I, I i do this joke where i talk about my kids that don't speak spanish mm-hmm. and people get mad they're like oh why don't you speak spanish to your kids i'm like well my spanish isn't that great <laughs> like my parents taught me spanish and but english was my first language mm-hmm. so for me to teach my kids spanish, it's gonna be bad like i don't <laughs> want to teach them bad spanish well you could learn together we could i like we've talked about that because my wife she doesn't speak spanish she got rosetta stone mm-hmm. didn't, for like a week <laughs> <laughs> but so we've talked about doing some kind of immersion program mm-hmm. with the whole family to help out. Have you taken the the family to a Spanish speaking country? We've yeah. gone to Mexico, mm-hmm. but again, I have a white wife, so I can't go just anywhere because you see like those Taken movies. Oh, and right. I'm like, I don't. 
If you get taken, um, <laughs> you're out of luck. I'm not going to go find you. Do you have any family you. in what, Guatemala? In Guatemala, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. have family still there? I still do have family in Guatemala, but it's so funny because I'm torn because part of me wants to take the kids so that they can see their roots, and mm-hmm. I want to take my wife so she can see it. But then you go online, and it's like, oh, you shouldn't come down here because it's dangerous and uh, a lot of stuff going on, and the, constantly the government's being upended, and there's a new regime coming in. So it, it's scary, but it's... I, don't know. I did not see that on uh, Arturo Castro's Comedy Central mm-hmm. show. No, <laughs> <laughs> this was all pro Guatemala, right? No, and, and trust me, like it's all pro, but it's like it's hard when you know they're going to stick out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not as tan. They're not. They don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's easier when you can blend in. Right. <laughs> now, here's something I did not know about you until I uh, read your online bios. Uh-huh. You got into comedy um, not on purpose. Like, it, according to your bios, uh-huh. you were you were like doing student government stuff. So I was no, it was student. I was part of the student order, like the student union at Pace. Uh, at Pace, and I had like I knew I, I went into communications. I feel like every comic or most comics go into communications because mm-hmm. they're trying to figure it out. Okay, I was trying to figure it out. I didn't know what I was doing yet, and then nine eleven happens. Our campus, if you know where Pace is, it's right by the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a couple blocks away from World Trade Center. Yeah. Our campus got shut down. The campus was being used as a triage for the longest time. Did you have classes that day? Uh, I did. I did not go. So that night I had a paper due already. Mm -hmm. So I had stayed up writing that paper. And the cool thing about college is like, if you don't go, as long as you get the assignment in, Mm -hmm. you're good. So I, for me, I was like, oh, I'll just go in later. I'll hand it into the professor. I know where his office is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that morning, uh, my mother, because I was still living at home, she's pounding on the door. I open the door. I'm like, I'm half asleep because I think I was up to like four in the morning writing this paper. Mm-hmm. She's like, how could you? You know, you're wasting your life. You know, you should be in, in school. You have classes. I can't believe this. Like, she and is this in Queens, New Rochelle, where is New Rochelle. Okay. So she's giving me the whole guilt trip. Right. I come to this country for a better life. You're sleeping it away. I was like, I, I'm, I was like, I'm sorry. I was tired. I was writing this paper. She leaves. And then maybe two hours later, I start getting phone calls. My phone just starts blowing up. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? I wake up. It's my uncle. He's like, where are you? I was like, I'm, I'm at home. He's like, oh my God, thank goodness. Uh, it, it's crazy. And I was like, what are you right. talking about? He goes, go put it on the TV. And sure enough, there it is. Like, I'm watching it happen. And I was like, oh, my God. This is happening right there. So they shut down our campus. So that's a good day to be a slacker. That was a good day to sleep in, yeah. (laughs) If you can take any positive on that. Uh, But but relating to comedy, so you were trying to figure things out, Mm -hmm. but you're on the student activities board? Student activities board. Uh, You know, just... Still trying to find my place. At that point, I think I was going. I was thinking about going into music. Okay. Not as a musician, but more on the production side of it. Oh, okay. So I started going to get internships. Uh, I, uh, I, so you I, didn't see yourself as the front man. <laughs> at that time, no, I had no music ability, and I and it was so funny because I, I remember one of the companies I went to. I think it was Universal Music. Like mm-hmm. I met with this guy, and I was like, "Oh, I really want to get into music," and he was like, "Don't." And I was like, what? He was like, he goes, because uh, at that point, that's when like Napster and the internet right. had just come out. He goes, we're getting hammered. He goes, and I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I don't think well, there's any way we can start making money. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? He was like, yeah. So I started following around like little little independent bands okay. and seeing how they were doing, like the model of 
going out, uh, selling their albums to small record stores, the mom and pop shops, and just doing like the grassroots campaigns. Yeah. So at that point, like I was like, oh, I, this is I th- this is what I think I'm doing. Like maybe I'll manage a band at some point. <laughs> And then, uh, so they shut down our campus. Then you live in Burbank. Then you live in Burbank. <laughs> I managed a guy with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> uh, so they shut down our campus because they're using it as triage for the people that were, in, that were injured. Okay. Um, so we don't go back in until the next semester. Oh, wow. Which is crazy because then we get back in. They're like, hey, remember all that work? Uh, it's due. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> What? <laughs> that paper that you stayed up all night on, yeah. nine ten. All, all that stuff is just due now, and it's like uh, no. So it was a weird time to be back in school. Yeah. Uh, they had on-site therapists. A lot of kids were transferring out. No one felt comfortable. They kept telling us like, "Oh, everything's fine. The air is good to breathe," but everyone had the gas mask on, and we're like, "I don't know this." Right, and there's lots of lawsuits. Yeah, now going on about that. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, this it's it's perfectly safe," and you're seeing tanks like drive down. Uh, across the campus, and you're seeing dudes with AK-47s and soldiers. It was just intense to watch. Was comedy then <laughs> like a, an escape and a re- relief point? So there? at that point, uh, you know, the Student Activities Board gets together. We're talking about upcoming events, like what we should do. And I remember watching the news, and it was a, a, a news report called, uh, I think the title was like, Is It Too Soon to Laugh? Mm. And people were starting to go to comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Like I remember they showed The Cellar, the comic strip. And they were just packed out. People were getting away. They wanted the, the escape. So I pitched the idea of, like, why don't we do a comedy show here? Um, some people were against it. They were like, well, I, I, it might be a little too soon. Some people were for it. So I said, let's book this small little student union. I think it sat like 200 people. Uh, let's just see what happens. When I tell you we had 400 people show up, we had people standing outside in the hallway. That's mm-hmm. how excited they were. To, to watch comedy. Who was on that first show? That first show, uh, so I the first comic I I met officially was Brad Trackman. Okay. I, I saw him at like Stand Up New York. I thought he was funny. He was hosting. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, hey, you know, I started asking him quite like, as you do, like, oh, so uh, how does this work? You know? And he was like, I'll help you put together a lineup. Uh, so I, he got me Russman Eve, uh-huh. uh, Will Sylvince, and Brian Kennedy at the okay. time. They were all doing comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, and Eric Nieves, who's a, a Latin comic, because I was like, oh, I'd like to have a Latin comic, because I think the Latin organization was like, oh, we'd love to have some kind of representation. Mm-hmm. I was like, perfect. So uh, it was a good lineup. Kids were laughing. It was a good time. And I just remember watching it, and I, I, was, I was intrigued by comedy. And they were all like, oh, you know, anytime you want to come see a show, just let us know, and we'll put you on the guest list, which at that point... You know, I'm a kid. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I started calling all of them and just going out every night, going to shows. So how long did it take? And I know this from my own personal experience and friends of mine. So how long did it take? How many shows did you have to go to before you started thinking, oh, I should be up there? I think it was like maybe two weeks. Okay. Because I I remember. So not immediately. Not immediately because I was still in awe of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're watching these guys. And I, I hate to make it sound like it's such a, but you're watching them weave material in. And like at the time I'm watching guys who now that I've been in it for a longer time, I, I'm like, oh my God, I got to see some amazing, you know, I got to see Geraldo. I got to see Kevin Hart before he was Kevin Hart, before anybody knew him. I saw Mitch Hedberg, like mm-hmm. I, Patrice, like these are guys who aren't around anymore, who aren't around anymore, but like are just so amazing. If you, mm-hmm. if you got the chance to watch them live. 
So I'm watching them in awe. And then one night, uh, I, I actually remember where I was. I was at the comic strip. And it finally all clicked because I'd see them numerous times. So I got to see them working out the jokes. Oh, right. So I got to... You see, you so, see them doing the same material, yeah. but in a different way. Or But I, I appreciated that. It was almost like when you're watching Magic and then you realize the rabbit. Like, oh, there it is. I see how it's working. <laughs> so for me, I was like, I think I can do that. So I, you know, I... I was like, how do I do this? I went and I think every comic has the same story. Got the Judy Carter comedy Bible. Oh, which, I haven't actually heard heard that mentioned in a while. No? Oh, my but, God. Anytime anybody approaches me, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing comedy. I'm like, you got to get that book. But in a pre-internet or an early internet world, that was the way people learned. Yeah. I, I think I actually had to go to a bookstore and find it. Mm -hmm. This was pre-Amazon where anything could just show up at your doorstep. Yeah, and uh, it was it was great because it puts you on a on a on a schedule. Like you got you're gonna do this in 28 days. Mm -hmm. You gotta learn how to write material, and it was it was great. And then from that point, it was just so, no. Since back. you had already met comedians from booking them for for college, did you already have a sense of like where to go for open mics and so how to jump into the process? I got the I got the comedy bible mm -hmm. uh and then I ended up calling a couple of comics and and Brad Trackman was one of the more, you know, he was like very open to it. It was so funny cuz you you if you ask comics now like, "Oh, I'm thinking about doing comedy." A lot of them jokingly, "Don't do it." Because it's such a hard thing. So a lot of them gave me that. Or they don't, don't want the competition. They're just like, yeah. there's eh, enough. There's yeah, enough don't, don't do it, man. So Brad actually cuz now Brad teaches in Philly. Okay. But he was like, yeah, if, you know, if you're really serious about this, you know, you got the comedy Bible because I told him I bought the book. He goes, write down some material and then if you need help with it, I'll help you. And he goes, and you should do the open mics and help, you know, I'll help you get on those open mics. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, if anybody, like if you know Brad, Brad is like the nicest guy. Little Jewish guy mm -hmm. doesn't seem threatening at all. He seems, no, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, <laughs> but it, it, the reason I say that is, uh, so I finished the comedy Bible, and he he, was, he knew of the schedule. He calls me uh, the week I ended the, the the writing session with the comedy Bible, mm -hmm. uh, and I was doing the thing where most people who want to start a diet or start anything go, oh, you know what? I'll just I'll wait till Monday because mm. there was there was still that fear of I don't know if I. I right. want to do this, but I'm still a little scared. Right, I'll do it next week. I'll do it. Yeah, next I'll, I'll start Monday. I, right. I did one of those because I think it was like a Tuesday. He calls me, and he's like, "Hey, bud, how'd it go?" He's very excited. <laughs> how how was it? And I was like, "Oh no 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 no, I haven't I haven't started yet. I'm 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 waiting till Monday, man. I'm gonna go Monday." Uh huh. And again, the reason I say he's just like the sweetest guy because all of a sudden on the phone I hear you fucking pussy and i was like wait what i was like hello is this brad and he goes if you don't get up you're never gonna get up you're just gonna keep pushing it back pushing it back it, it's never gonna happen and i it was like why, why are you you're so nice why are you yelling at me and he was like go down tomorrow mm -hmm. wednesday hamburger harry's in times square gladys runs the the open mic there oh yeah i'm gonna call her uh-huh she's gonna be expecting you go and i was like okay I could show up, and sure enough, she's expecting me. She put me on the lineup. I think I was like fourth, which at that time I didn't realize was a great spot. <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to go first at an open mic. You don't want to go last. She put me on like fourth or fifth. It was beautiful. 
What What do you remember about that night, about Gladys, about the other comedians on the show? Uh, it, I remember walking into the diner. At first, I thought it was a scam. I was like, wait a second. This is a show here? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's in the back room. I go, and the comics are setting up the 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 open mic because mm-hmm. there's like extra chairs and stuff and Gladys was like super sweet and supportive she's like oh my god Brad told me about you I, are you ready is this your first time I was like yeah and I had a great set I remember being like comfortable on stage uh, not too nervous uh, you know some butterflies and then mm-hmm. uh, all the comics afterwards were like super supportive they're like oh my god that was your first time and then one comic was like say it's your first time for as long as you can get away with it <laughs> and I was like oh, okay cool <laughs> Uh, what else, what else do you remember about Gladys? Uh, Gladys is awesome, man. She still is. Like, she's still running the open mic at the strip, and yeah. she's constantly sending me messages and like, hey, congratulations on this, and just a sweetheart, you know. Did you have like a? Did you develop a crew of open mic comics that you would go go to mics with? Or? Yeah, there was a. It was so funny, like, because I think. It, it, some people try to like, oh, it's a graduating class, but I remember right. the comics. Like, yeah, who was part of your? Your uh, class, your crew. Like, I remember Mike Vecchione. Okay. I remember as soon as I saw him out the gate, I was like, this guy is hilarious. Uh, I know Gina Brione was mm-hmm. was starting to get some traction at that point and got past that clubs. Liz Mealy was another comic who I would see around a lot. Uh, Amy Schumer came maybe like a year after us. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like cool to see these people and now see where they are now. Yeah. And it was funny, too, because then a couple years into comedy... New York Comedy Club approaches me to host a Latino laughter show. And I started booking these guys, and I would get so much flack. Like, they're not Latino. I'm like, <laughs> they're hilarious. <laughs> I'm booking them because they're funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, were you supposed to only book Latino people? I, was it like a chocolate Sundays I think, where I think everybody that, has to be chocolate? I think that's the way it was. Uh-huh. But then once I took over, I was just uh-huh. booking funny. I was like, I, I like these guys. Like, I like watching them work. Mm-hmm. And they motivated me to, to try to be funnier, too. Now, are you still living with mom in New Rochelle this whole time? Or? At that time, yeah. Because so I'd, I was, it was, uh, it was my third year at Pace. Mm-hmm. I started doing open mics. Um, I really fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. So I told mom, I was like, hey, I'm going to stop going to school, which is is a hard thing to tell an immigrant mom whose right. whole goal was going to make your life better and you're going to the American dream. Exactly. So I was like, I'm going to stop going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try this out. And if I'm not good at it, I go back to school. Because that's how I had to sell it to her. I couldn't okay. go, hey, I'm done. I found what I'm supposed to do. Did you have to set a time limit? Uh, I, figuring I told her, I told her, give me a year. Let me see how this works. Okay. Let me figure this. Let me jump in. I got it, you know, because I, I feel like if you do one foot in, one foot out, you never fully commit. So I was like, let me dive into this. Let me run around. Let me do the open mics. Let me Did you do- have a car? I had a car, yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, if you're coming from New Rochelle. Yeah. Which if was, you don't have a car, then you're dependent on the trains. And- yeah. Well, at the, in the beginning, I was doing the trains, but then I realized right away uh, some open mics would go long and they yeah. were lottery style. So if you got last, I would miss that train, that Metro North, because that thing stops yeah. at like 150. <laughs> so if you miss that train, you're stuck in the city for the rest of the night. Right. So there, there was – so right away I was like, okay, I got to start driving in. And then once I started driving in, I realized, oh, I can start opening for people because that was the first question they always had. Oh, right. They're like, oh, you got a car? <laughs> yeah, I got a car. Okay, cool. So you'll do the stress factor with me that weekend. All right, perfect. You know? <laughs> Who who did you get to open for as part of your uh, driving duties? 
I got to open for Robert Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took me on, on the road a lot. Nice. Uh, Godfrey took me on the road okay. with him. Uh, I did a couple gigs with Brad. He was like, mm-hmm. when you do like Connecticut and stuff. So yeah, it was fun. When you, <laughs> do, I presume you've watched uh, Pete Holmes crashing mm-hmm. on HBO. Yeah. Do you, do you, how how much does that like ring true for you? Like watching watching him depict what that what the scene that you grew up in was like. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't have the divorce and all that. No, but, but, the, yeah. but the same kind of like. Barking at the Boston and driving to the right. stress factory and the driving. I, I got the barking. I, it's so funny. I barked one time. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how people did it. Like I just did not have the the skin for it. Like I did. I remember going to Boston and you know I got the stack of flyers. Mm-hmm. They gave me that corner where they show on crashing that corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDougal and uh, oh, West Third. West Third. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember being out there and he's like, all you gotta do is just get people in. And I was like, all right, cool. First flyer, Deshaun. That's all it took. I was like, hey, man, comedy show. And the dude was like, fuck you. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't. And like pierced through the skin and just hit me deep. And I walked back with all the flowers like, hey, man, this is not for me. And he goes, what? No, go out there. You can get people. I was like, no, I just, that's too much. So when you see Barkers now, how do you feel? Oh, I I, like, I, I take their flyer like, hey, anytime. Like I try to help them out, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, oh, it's, it's just too much, man. Like it's so funny when I go to New York and I'll see the Barkers out. Mm-hmm. If, if some of them will recognize me, like, oh, Eric Rivera. I'm like, hey, what's up? I'll try to help them sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've actually jumped in the middle of the pitch. Like, hey, yeah, no, it, it's a good show, good mm-hmm. club. There's because, actually a little legit comedian. Yeah, because I do. I know they say Chappelle might show up. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there's, like, real people. It's going to be good, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> because that is, that's a that's a brutal one. That's like being just, you're inviting the heckler in. Yeah. I actually start, I feel bad not just for them, but for the other like Greenpeace and all the other people who do the sidewalk right, right. shuffle hustle <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i i don't give them money but right. i still feel bad <laughs> but i understand their pain yeah. a little bit more yeah so at the end of the the year uh-huh. where are you at career wise at the end of this year no at, oh, the, end at of the end of that year the year that you <clears throat> so at that, that you at bargain with mom at the end of that year uh so i'm doing the open mics at that point i'm actually running the open mic at the comedy cellar okay i had uh this guy eric hansen was running it at the time and he was like oh would you like to run it and you know they, thursday night they let us do like a new town night which was a bringer but I, w- I ran it in a way where I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not asking you to bring 20 people because some of those shows, you know, when you're new, they're just taking advantage of you. Like, oh, bring 100 people and you get five <laughs> minutes and we'll give you free tape. And you're like, oh, that's a great deal. I would be like, just bring one person. If you right. can bring one person, we're good. And then we have somewhat of a crowd. We can work out material. Mm-hmm. So I was running that. And then because uh, I had met Brian Kennedy at the college shows, he was running the New Talent Night Carolines. Yeah. So he's like, hey, why don't you do a spot? Mm-hmm. You don't have to bring anybody. Just come do a spot. And I was like, all right, cool. I invited my mom out to see that show. Uh, Pack crowd. Mm-hmm. Caroline's. She, she's realizing, oh, this is there's something here. Right, you're in Times Square. <laughs> Times Square. So she gets Performing to see to a me. Full house. She gets to see me perform, and she gets to see that there's laughs. So it's not bad. And it was great because it's a new town night. So she gets to see where other people are around my right. time range or further along. And she goes, oh, you're actually not bad at this. You're <laughs> You're kind of good. Good. All right. I support this. If this is what you want to do. <laughs> that I was the this. actual conversation. Yeah. She was just like, you weren't bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some people. She was like, the guy before, he was bad. <laughs> 
And I, I was like, okay. He should go back to school. Yeah, he's going to go back to school. But you're, you're not bad at it. Like, you, mm-hmm. okay. She's like, I see what you're doing. I see you're, you're, you're serious about this. Because her thing, too, was if you're going to do this, I don't want you to quit. You know, if you're really going to do this, you really have to do this. So when she saw I was really taking it serious, she's like, all right, I will support you. Let's, you know, let me know what you need or what I can do to help you. Okay. So, which was nice. So how do you know when it's time to take that next step, which is leaving New York entirely and going, oh. <laughs> going to California? Well, for me, it was I was developing a project with Eva Longoria. Okay. And she was like, you need to be out here. You know, if we're going to develop this project, people need to see you here. So for me, it was just like, all right, time to pick up and, and go. So, so how does that happen in the first place that you're developing a project with Eva Longoria? We had a mutual friend uh, who saw me do comedy. She's like, oh, my God, you're so funny. Mm-hmm. She goes, you have to meet my friend. Never told me who it was. Is was this like, before or after you'd done The Tonight Show? This was before The Tonight Show. Okay. So she reaches out to her friend, mm-hmm. doesn't tell me who it is. I'm um, doing a show at the Laugh Factory, and she's like, oh, she's coming tonight. I was like, all right, perfect. We're sitting outside because she's like, oh, my friend's on her way. And I was like, all right, cool. All of a sudden, this, this Bentley pulls up. Uh-huh. As the photographer starts snapping pictures, I'm like, who is this? And out she pops, out comes Eva Longoria. Uh-huh. And she goes, there she is, Eva. And I was like, you could have warned me. <laughs> it would have been nice to get a heads up that your friend was Eva Longoria. <laughs> so, yeah, she came out to the show. She saw me do stand-up, and she's uh-huh. like, oh, my God, we have to figure out a way to develop a show here because, number one, there is no representation on TV for us. And number two, it's sorely needed to have this Latino family sitcom. So, Had you been part of a development process before that? No, that was my first development so what, process. So what was that like? It was interesting because I've heard you know stories of development through networks and mm-hmm. through studios. And uh, I, was, I was working with her, which right. people are always like, oh, but because like, sometimes you see these, these uh, celebrity production companies and you don't get to see the celebrity. But she was like legit like sitting on the floor with a highlighter circling stuff in the script and like giving notes. And I was like, Oh, okay. She's, she's a part of this, uh, in the was, room when you're pitching and- in the room when we were pitching, like she was just very helpful and just guiding me along through it, which was nice. Cause a lot of times you're just, everything's moving a hundred miles an hour and no one's telling you anything. And she was just step by step. Like, all right, this our next step. This is what we got to do. So it was, it was fun. How far did you get? in the process we sold the script to nbc mm-hmm. and we did not get to shoot a pilot so that's that uh, we we were just right there on a script deal we we were on the cusp of it all did that feel like that was enough to get you in the door of the hollywood system uh yeah because then people were aware of who i was they saw the write-up of it and started having other meetings and, you know, things go from there. Like, you're always just trying to build to get to the next level. Right. That's what I hear from comedians and writers is that even if your show doesn't get picked up, just the fact that it gets sold right. is enough to keep you in the game. Yeah, because then... It, if you look at it as a game. Yeah, it's like a viable... Because not only do you get money, they're still paying you money yeah. for a script or a pilot or whatever the development right, right, right. deal is... But your name is also still circulated. Yeah. It's almost it's like when you go You get out. to come back next season. <laughs> it's like when you go out and the hot girl notices you. Mm-hmm. Other girls see them and they go, Oh, wait a second. Well that, that hot girl looked at him. Let's go, yeah. let's go see what that's all about. So Speaking of which, were you married? At, at the that time? time I was not. <laughs> uh but I was engaged. Okay. She it was funny, like when me and my wife got together, we had been together a couple months. 
before I decided to move out to LA. I thought the relationship might be over at that point because I was like, hey, I'm moving. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, all right, when, when do we go? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you're, you're in this. <laughs> How much of that was depicted in the Oxygen series, Living With Funny? <laughs> uh, it was, uh, some of it was depicted in that. Uh, it's so funny, like reality TV. Yeah. Isn't as real as people think it is. <laughs> A lot of it is uh, <laughs> concocted behind the scenes. Now, this Living With Funny was a sequel, but not a sequel to Funny Girls? Yes. So they were the people behind Funny Girls. Right. There was, I remember Funny Girls. Right. And then Living With Funny came out the next year, and it was like, oh, well, this time the guys are the comedians, and they have women in their lives. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it, the way it was pitched to me was like, we're going to follow the comics around, show them on stage, and then show the life off stage. Uh-huh. Uh, and at that point we weren't fully, all, all of us weren't aware of funny girls, like that they were the same people behind it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when we got to doing it, it was interesting because they expected my wife and my mother and the kid to be all a part of this. And they, and my wife was like, wait, I didn't, I'm, I'm on camera. I was like, yeah, you kind of are. It's living with funny. You're the, you're the living, you're the living. Yeah. <laughs> you're the lead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're actually the star. Yeah. You're in this. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of how is that process then for uh it was interesting because you know a lot, like i said a lot of it's concocted like they try to put us in scenarios mm-hmm. uh and then they really wanted my mom involved and my mom never really did any kind of on-camera work so i wasn't sure how it was gonna go but mm-hmm. then once the camera started rolling like she was just they loved her they're like oh my god she's great <laughs> and uh, you know in the in the storylines we depict her as somebody who's like anti my wife Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of the stuff she was saying was just her on her own, which I was like, wait a second, that came out too quick. <laughs> I think I think she had that bullet <laughs> loaded in the chamber for a while. She's yeah. just waiting for the yeah, she was waiting for the opportunity, and then and then every time they're like, and cut, she goes, you know, I'm just kidding, right? And we're like, I don't know, I think I think you mean some of this stuff. Uh, but you know, then again, you know, you needed mom to sign on. To get into comedy in the first place, of course, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's just part of the deal now. Exactly. Now she's the TV. She's, she, yeah, she's waiting for the tour to happen so she can <laughs> she can close the shows. When you when you wrapped on that, where did you think your career was going to go? Uh, at that point, I was still trying to figure out the scripted side of stuff. I still wanted to get a network show on. Uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, the, I think it, we constantly see in the news like how. Latinos aren't being represented on television. Nine shows got sold last year. Still none of them got made. This year, again, you mm-hmm. know, we're not seeing stuff, especially while you're, uh, you know, we're, we're watching a president who's, I hate to get political, but we're watching a president who's sort of. Right. Well, I mean, your worst. half hour is called Super White. Yeah. <laughs> for more than one reason. So we're seeing, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a, polit- a political climate where Latinos are being painted in a bad picture. So I'm still trying to push that agenda of getting a network show on on the air sadly it's still not right. happening for anybody you know right Cristela was on for a year Cristela was on for a year uh before her was what george and then after yeah. that before that was greetings from tucson like it's just sad that that's where we're living in this state of affairs where i mean they're, they're gabriel on, iglesias he has he's on netflix, netflix. yeah yeah yeah, but it's not network, and that's not a knock on Gabe. Like he's, I know we're moving into that streaming world, mm-hmm. and that's that's great that Netflix is doing it. They got shows like 
Hentified coming out. They got Mystery Glaciers. They helped one day at a time, and now they're right. moving over to Pop. Uh, you know, they got uh, On My Block. They got the new Selena series coming out. So they're, you know, definitely making a push for diversity because those stories need to be told. And I'm also excited that HBO Latino decided to make the platform for Entranos and the Half Hours. Orlando Labor got one. Yeah. Gina Brion, myself. So they're making the push. But it's sad that network television is still miles behind. And, you know. You know, as a not super white, uh-huh. but white guy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things, but you know, someone who follows comedy, it's been interesting to see HBO Latinos moves into English language comedy. Because for me, as a longtime HBO subscriber, Mm -hmm. HBO Latino was always, oh, that's where I can watch the movies and learn Spanish, right? (laughs) Because it's been dubbed. That's where you can watch Game of Thrones in Spanish, but in Spanish, (laughs) but dubbed, and go, okay, I might learn something or or just. Or just see it differently, right? Because it's in Spanish, and but now I'm turning it over, and there's more stuff in English, yeah. On HBO Latino, and then HBO Original has Los Spookies, Los Spookies, yeah, that's... which is in Spanish, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> there's English on my Latino and Latino on my English, yeah. <laughs> it's like a uh, Reese's peanut butter cup or something. You got nervous? You hit the SAP button <laughs> like, on your remote? Like, did I mess up here? <laughs> what's happening? But I guess that's part of. What's happening with America, right? Yeah, they're they're trying to make the push for it. You know, there are Spanish-speaking Latinos in this country. They're English-speaking. And for some reason, you know, certain networks just don't know how to streamline Mm -hmm. that and reach those people, you know? What do you think is the most important thing to do? I mean, you talked about just getting more Mm -hmm. representation. Uh, For – on what side of it? (laughs) Are you you talking about like on the network side? Are you talking about for the Latinos coming up? For the Latinos coming out. I just think you just got to just keep creating the content, keep pushing. You know, it's 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 a, it's a hard battle, man. Like, I've been here nine years. I still go into meeting rooms where the, the number one question is like, oh, are you like George or are you like Gabe? Which are the only two comics they know in that Latin scene. Oh, wow. You know? And there's uh, there's there's a plethora of guys who are just so talented. I feel so bad for Carlos. Yeah, oh, Carlos is falling <laughs> off. Mency is not even mentioned. <laughs> uh, so it's just sad that you know it it sucks. Number one, because it's sort of Hollywood's sort of behind the times where they have to box you into these little boxes. Mm-hmm. Like I started in New York. New York was great because you did comedy and you you know you slowly grinded, got into the clubs, and it was never like oh. You're only doing Latino night. Right. You're you're a black comic. You're doing chocolate Sundays. Like you don't have that in New York. You'll never see those shows on a comedy seller lineup because, you know, they're booking just based on talent. Mm-hmm. So then you come out here, like I did, and like, oh, this is gonna be great, and hit those clubs and like, oh, man, we got Quesadilla Friday. You can do those shows, or you go into the networks and like, oh, great, we've got a Latino show. Check, and you're like, well, what? It's just a show. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm American. It's like no, no. That's 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 the way we. You got to check off those boxes. So it just sucks that that's the boxes we're placed in. And then when we go into these meeting rooms, it's like oh, George, Gabe. Right. We don't know anyone else. It's 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 weird, but you know, people talk about Hollywood being so liberal, right? And yet the <laughs> stories you hear time and again from people who aren't white guys uh-huh. is that if you're not a white guy, you get you get pigeonholed. Oh yeah, yeah. Even yeah. white women get pigeonholed. Like oh, yeah. everybody gets 
because I've I, I, it's sad because you see it too. Like, mm-hmm. and like what's so liberal about yeah. that? It's like we want to tell everyone's story, and like, well, well, we already got one of those, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's weird to say. So how do we, how do we change things? Is it a bottom up? Like, is it a ground roots? I, well, I think you know, uh, like HBO Latino is doing a great job of mm-hmm. getting the names out there of other comics. Uh, you know, uh, I think the community itself has to come together because I feel like for the longest time we've all been fighting this battle separately. Uh, I think coming together would help start creating more noise. Like, eh, more noise. You, you had guys like George and Gabe who are doing their own thing, and God bless them, they're doing great. But the ones coming up need mm-hmm. to start banding together and uh, you know creating together. Yeah, I think HBO also <laughs> just recently announced a deal with for HBO Max with mm-hmm. a new Latino comedy festival in San Antonio. I've heard, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, to develop more specials and yeah. talent out of that. Yeah, the rumor. Yeah, I think they're doing. They're bringing back. It's it called the Latino Laugh Festival. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Because a lot of these companies, they like we want diversity, but again, <laughs> it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Right. You know. Do you feel like being here for nine years that you have a better, better grasp on like how to? How to adjust and how to assimilate show business wise as much as just as a resident of Burbank as, uh, a, as a performer. I think I, I've gotten a better gist of what the industry is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, a, a lot of the change also has to come from the top. They need to start, you know, they say they want certain things. They need to start making those those decisions. You know, you, like I said last year, they sold nine shows. Uh, the the excuses have always been, well, we need somebody with star power. One of those mm-hmm. shows had uh, Danny Trejo attached. One of those shows had Michael Pena attached. And Michael Pena is like the go-to right. <laughs> Hollywood Latino. So, like, I don't know how much bigger can it get. <laughs> right. Him, him and uh, Eva are in the, the yeah. Dora movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of it has to just come from the top now of them finally opening those doors and really making those changes. Yeah. So... I know your dog has ideas. <laughs> your dog is like, it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just, <laughs> we just got him about a year ago uh, through another funny comedian, Angela Johnson. She's, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she got her dog a couple blocks away, and I made the mistake of saying, oh, I know where that place is. It's right by my house. <laughs> and that's how we got him. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah. Do, you have a, um, do you have a show you're, you're, you're shopping now? Uh, yeah, I'm actually working with Eva Longoria again. Okay, we're uh, you know we're pitching a show, so hopefully you know fingers crossed that we finally cross that finish line. Yeah, <laughs> is it about you? And it's your about life? me. It's loosely based on. Uh, so is the dog involved? The, in the dog show? is not. <laughs> uh, we did not the yet. we did the I did the intro no show show mm-hmm. back in April. Okay, she saw that set, and uh, one of the topics I talked about was my father's passing. Ah. Uh. And she really felt like it hit a chord. She was like, this is, this is, you know, you're vulnerable. You made it funny. She goes, I think there's a show here. We should develop this. And I, I, I was all for it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I look forward to seeing what happens. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, thanks so much, Sean. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. 
The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, local by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.